like to begin by acknowledging the traditional custodians of the land on which we gather today. And I pay my respects to their elders, past and present. I extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples here today. Hello and welcome to another episode of Inspired by Yarra. This is the podcast that's been created to enhance, connect and inspire the Yarra Valley Grammar community and beyond. So wherever you might be tuning in from today, I want to say thank you. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for being part of this effort to grow and connect our wider school community. My name is Paul Joy and it's my privilege to be able to sit down each week with a Yog, a Yarra Old Grammarian, to track some of their adventures, the twists and the turns as they have gone through life. And today I sit down with Eliza Schwab from the class of 2014, a remarkable young woman, successful entrepreneur who has taken opportunities as they've been presented to create a life that is uh, really quite remarkable and wonderful. I'm really excited to be able to sit down with Eliza Schwab from the class of 2014 to explore the adventures and the challenges of her time at Yarra and some of the great memories that she has of being on stage and backstage and the adrenaline and the opportunities that that presented, but also her learning around the need to be disciplined and work hard in her academic pursuits as well. I really appreciate the perspective that she brings about the value of pursuing a broad range of co-curricular activities. I look forward to sharing this conversation and I'm going to begin by asking about how and when Eliza's journey Yarra Valley Grammar began? So I started in year seven. So I think that was around 2009. Um, so yeah, a little while ago. <laughs> um, came in, yeah, for the high school portion. Yeah, fantastic. And and tell us a little bit about the school that you came from. Was it a large primary school? Was it a bit smaller? Was it a long way away? And how did that compare to the relative or comparative size of Yarra? So I came from Warrenwood Primary, so fairly local, but we still only had about four or five of us that moved over and no one that was particularly like a close friend of mine either. So it was still very like new <laughs> to me. Um, and it's funny, I was thinking about like back at that time and what the biggest change was for me. And at my primary school, I was in a lot of like extended learning and quite intelligent in comparison to other people. I guess I was one of the smart ones. And then I came to Yarra and it was like a whole new ball game. The like there were so many more people. Um and yeah, suddenly I was like at the bottom of the food chain and I wasn't the smartest anymore. And things were difficult, which was, you know, a shock to me. It, it is a actually quite a common experience that yeah. you know you can be a, a big fish in a small pond and then mm. all of a sudden you come to a place like Yarra and and lots of high schools would have a similar story where mm. all of a sudden you have so many new experiences and new people and and new backgrounds to kind of come to grips with and and find your place in all of that what do you mm. do you remember much about year seven like where did you hang out where, where was the sort of and what activities did you do to connect with people yeah for me the calf was just the coolest thing ever and still to this day I miss the calf so much the food is so good and like when my youngest sister was still at Yarra I thought multiple times about just getting her to order me some food and driving by to pick it up I don't know if it's as good as I remember it, but I just remember it being really, really good. So hanging out in there and I thought like going to Yarra and going on the tour of the um, CAF, it was like high school musical come to life for me. So um, I loved hanging out around the CAF and just around like the year seven 
area and hanging around like locker rooms and stuff was cool but I don't think in year seven we were allowed to necessarily hang out in the social space but I love the idea of having a locker and that kind of space to hang out with which is cool. It's certainly a big step isn't it like it, it's a grown-up mm. step to have your own space and your own things in there that you're responsible for and, and you've got to look after and you've got to remember your code and all of those things to be able yeah. to uh, to get back in there otherwise there are consequences. Yes, big changes. <laughs> For sure. Now, do you remember much about um, camp or excursions in, in those early years? Even even let's get, let's broaden it to middle school. Were there any particular standouts? Um, I remember our first camp and um, we went to somewhere near Phillip Island, I think. Um, I think it was, yeah, like a spare of the moment camp because of the recent bushfires. Um, and we went, it was like freezing cold, but we went sailing (laughs) and a bunch of us girls were so cold and not interested in it at all. And miss, was it miss Farmelo at the time before miss Hall? Yeah. She had us (laughs) jumping up and down and she said, put your hands on your boobs girls and jump up and down to keep warm. And I thought that was so funny and so cool because she was so proper normally, but, um, yeah, she definitely helped make us all feel a bit better. (laughs) That's good. And and you're quite right. Those those sorts of memories where people who have leadership positions, we have a an opinion about them and they mm. present a particular way, but then get them in a different environment, a different context. And actually you see a real person in yeah, and around a real and person. behind exactly. that, which is, it's refreshing, isn't it? It's a good thing. Yeah. yeah. And it was nice that the teachers at Yara could kind of be both. Like they could be very professional but then you would see the the real person side of them as well, which was good, and it made you form those connections. Yeah, that's great. As, as you moved through Yarra year on year, what was the sort of subject area or the location within the school that you would enjoy spending time with? Like were, were you in the library? Were you, other than in the CAF queue, um, <laughs> were you in maths and science? Were you kind of on the stage? Where, where did you kind of hang? Um, drama department, definitely. So all around that area, all the drama rooms on the stage as well. Um, yeah, and loved that that area, being around the stage and behind behind the stage. I was a performer outside of school as well as just being part of the school program. So anytime I was near that kind of backstage vibe made me feel, I guess, at home. <laughs> You're quite right. Some of that that backstage magic of theatre and drama, I, I I think also it is fascinating because you know it's the lights, it's the black curtains, it's the 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 I guess the performers behind the stage that that not everybody gets to see. When you stepped out on stage, can you recall a particular performance or a particular uh, event that you were part of where you were on the stage that particularly resonates for you, that was, you know, a highlight for you? Oh, there's probably so many and so many productions that I remember very fondly. I guess one that um, is probably a funny story (laughs) would be when we did Oliver, which I would have been in year eight or year nine, I played Mrs. Bumble, which is the wife of the um, guy that runs the orphanage that won't give Oliver any more food. Um, And in the musical, she has like a song to herself. But anyway, she was quite a plump character and I'm tiny. (laughs) So they put me in a full fat suit and butt stuffing and (laughs) big fake boobs and all of that so that was quite hilarious to see myself like that and look back on photos and go out on stage in front of everyone like that and we did performances like at school assemblies which is definitely a very daunting experience compared to the actual performance at night that's for mainly friends and family as opposed to the whole school cohort and I'm in a fat suit. (laughs) But no doubt you uh, were able to get into character really, really well. Yes, definitely. (laughs) That was good fun. Tell me a little bit about your your singing then. So to have a solo in a a gig like that when you say year eight, year nine, that's quite a uh, potentially for some people a challenging position. How did you cope with uh, nerves and and that performance aspect of singing as well as acting. 
I was definitely used to being on stage and I'm no stranger for that from my extracurricular activities, but singing on stage is a little bit, I didn't do as much of that by myself. I did lots in a group, but not as much by myself. So it was definitely a little bit scarier, but I think it was good that I had that opportunity at Yarra, whereas I didn't necessarily have that outside of school. So it was really good. Yeah, terrific. So tell us a little bit about outside of school. You're you're managing a, a new school and, and I guess by year eight, year nine, year 10, it's no longer a new school. You feel part mm. of the place. But did you continue those co-curricular things outside? You, you're talking about stage. Is that some, some acting classes or is that some drama type work you're doing outside of school? Yeah, so I was a part of Stage School Australia, which is a massive music theatre company um, with, I think today they've got over 5,000 students. Um, So, yeah, we would do singing, dancing and acting and we would do performances twice a year. And once I got to the higher levels of that, which was during my time in year 11 and 12 in VCE, I was doing 28 shows a year. So it was quite a big commitment in addition to what I was doing at school, as well as I would tour interstate um, and take time off school to do those commitments. So it was a bit to juggle, definitely. So tell me about that juggle, because there is a school of thought that says when you're at school, focus, concentrate, just do what you've got to do and do it the best you can. And there's another school of thought that says, yes, school, do that and do your best, but also have other things on the go as well, Um, have other friendship groups and other pastimes and other habits and and other um, hobbies and and other activities that you're part of. So it sounds like you had quite a commitment outside of school. On reflection, was that a good balance for you? I'm glad you asked that question because it's something I'm actually really passionate about. And during my school life, I did have some mentors and teachers that were definitely vying for me to reduce my extracurriculars and then others that were really supportive. Um, But I'm all for extracurricular and involving yourself in as much as possible, especially when you're young. Like I can't be a part of that company anymore because I'm an adult now. Um, And there's not that much out there for adult performing that's more on, you know, a hobby basis. You either do it for a job or you don't. Um, And I think that's the same with a lot of sports and stuff that people might be involved with outside of school, like go for it while you're a kid, I reckon. And um, it's also good just to learn to multitask and have lots of stuff on the go at once and not just focus on school, because when it comes to university and you start getting a job and you've got to um, uh, not self-teach, but um, I can't think of the word, you've got to do things yourself a lot more it's important to have those skills um, with time management and all of that kind of stuff. Whereas Mm. I think if you just focus on your schoolwork, which is great, focus on your schoolwork, but um, if you just do that, you kind of lose out on those skills and you lose out on so many. I made so many friends and connections with people from all over Victoria through that program and you see a whole different um, world of people, I guess. Eliza, I have to say that I'm I'm with you on that. I mm-hmm. I do think that broadening our experiences is good for us. I think mm-hmm. it's helpful to have multiple activities that we're passionate about and that we pursue them and that we explore them. And and you're right to an extent those those sorts of activities require our self initiative when we're mm-hmm. adults. Self initiative, that's the word. <laughs> um, but as a kid, I, I agree with you. I would say yes to everything. I, I think that that's a, a good... Now, of course, we you can go too far in that. Definitely. Yeah. But in general, I would say yes, I, I, I agree. I just want to push you a little bit further because your experience is often, by the sounds of it, or was, on stage. Mm-hmm. What do you think are the benefits of of those you talked about friendships and you talked about expanding your world as you get to explore and go into state and what what other benefits are there of mastering or at least working at the craft of drama and performance and presentation oh the benefits are huge just being able like public speaking 
um, and confidence and all of those things. The company that I was talking about that I did performing arts with, I worked for them for four years as well after high school. Um, so I've done a lot of talking to parents about the importance of it. Um, but yeah, all of that confidence stuff um, and learning to speak in front of audiences and present yourself and projection and um, thinking on your feet as well. Like we did so many um, improv type activities that teach you how to, you know, think on your feet to be able to form conversation with people, um, which I think is so, so important. Um, and I use all those skills in my job every single day. And I would say increasingly careers, advisors, senior teachers are becoming more aware that in the workforce it's actually those soft skills that really mm-hmm. count it's your interpersonal mm-hmm. reaction interactions it's it's the ability to to think on your feet and pivot and and improvise sometimes and have a confidence to present with with other people and to other people whether that's to a team of two or three or whether it's to a boardroom or a room of a thousand people i think those sorts of skills are critically important and schools and a school like Yarra provides opportunities for those uh, activities and those experiences but sometimes it's good to do it outside of school either as well or instead of because sometimes we can become a little sheltered you know a a place like Yarra has so many offerings has so many things but it's still kind of Yarra so yeah I like the idea of stretching yourself even further and going and connecting beyond the uh, the scope of a school like this. Um, yeah. Good opportunity. It's good to just there. put yourself out there whenever you can and take every single opportunity and meet as many people as you possibly can because you never know what those connections will do for you in the future. 100%. Someone you meet and I'm when excited. you're 13 could be the person that gives you your job when you're 40. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And and I'm really excited to, to talk with you about the future, as in what happened after Yarra and where did you go from there? But before we leave school just at this stage, I, it is true that school and a school like Yarra in particular can have, have a big influence on our character and and how we look at life. And it seems to me that you've um, got a fairly clear idea of how you approach life and who you want to be as you present. Can you tell us a little bit about how school, how Yarra Valley Grammar may have helped you establish your foundation of of who you are and your character? Yeah. Look, I was a bit of a drifter at school. I didn't find that really solid group um, that other people might find, but that led me to branch out and mingle with people from other year levels that I'd met through drama and a lot of the people that I still talk to from Yarra are actually from other year levels that I met through all of those amazing activities. Um, But I think that kind of experience led me to be quite independent and confident and really push all the time um, to keep bettering myself from that feeling of like not really knowing where I belong. Um, But Yarra itself was always such a strong academic environment which I think was really really positive for me um just learning the discipline but then also they've got so many extracurricular activities the sport the music all of that kind of stuff that shows you you can work really hard but you can also have all of these you know hobbies and all of that kind of stuff as well um which I think was really really important and as well going to a school for example, where we went in assemblies and we'd have like the religious parts of the assemblies that you would present. As someone who doesn't come from a religious background, I actually found that so beneficial and interesting for me to be able to understand other people's cultures and um, views, uh, which has given me like a better place, I guess, where I am now that I can understand other people a bit better. Um, And I used to always love your speeches at um, assemblies and how you would turn a situation in life back on to, like you'd talk about, I don't know, I think there was one about your kid in a bath or something and something happened, I don't know, I just remember that. And then you'd turn it back into a section of the Bible, which I thought was really, really cool how you could relate that. That's a strong memory. (laughs) 
I'll have to try and look that one up because I, I agree with you. I think diversity of experiences and thinking and, and yeah. having exposure to different ideas and different perspectives and, as you mentioned, different cultures and that diversity is, is a strength. I think that's a richness that we ought to celebrate. And I think we're, you know, as a, as a, as a world where hmm, there are parts of the world where we get it and we've understood it. But there are certainly areas around the world that that are still got some work to do in that. Um, I guess it's a, an ongoing journey and an ongoing story, um, which you know, aren't we all on a journey, really? <laughs> yes. Um, you mentioned earlier that coming out of primary school, you were, um, you would say, clever and and fairly academically astute, and. Not that things changed, not that you changed, but the landscape changed when you came to high school. Yeah. Tell me a little bit more about the academics of your experience at Yarra. You said that it taught you some discipline and you were able to get sick. Did you do as well as what you wanted? Did you achieve what you were aiming for as you sort of went Mm -hmm. into senior school? It's funny. When I first started at Yarra, I mean, I was always fascinated by older kids the big kids were always so interesting to me. So a lot of the memories that I have of Year 7 are of the Year 12s and what we'd see of them and a big one was the Ducks Assembly. And I was like, that'll be me one day. I just knew that was going to be me one day. Um, and then as I, like, progressed through school, I guess my my priorities changed. And although I was still very passionate about my academics and I went on to go to uni and got into the course that I wanted and all of that and was working very hard towards that. Um, I think the the extracurricular stuff did become very important to me as well. And I didn't want to be one to just sit and do my work while the rest of the world passed me by, which I think is a really important thing. I think there's so much weight and pressure for kids at the moment on ATARs and, um, more than there needs to be because there's so much I mean it's great to get a good ATAR and to work hard and all of those things and I think that's so important and something that I would definitely want my kids in the future to do but you can't let the rest of the world stop especially in times like now you never know when the world actually will stop and you won't be able to do any of those things anyway so I think it's good to make the most of every single moment um so I didn't get a 90 plus ATAR, but I still got a very good ATAR and I'm definitely very happy with it because I still achieved all the things that I wanted to do throughout high school, not just the score. Fantastic. And and I think that's a really uh, mature and wise approach. And and I think that message is one that we need to continue to share and continue Mm. to to, um, share with with parents as well as with students and, and to be fair, with some teachers sometimes as well. Yeah. Um, you mentioned that you left Yarra and then you went into, you got into the course that you wanted. Can you tell us a little bit about where that was and what that looked like and, and how did you get there and all those sorts of things? Yeah. So I had a lot of different callings <laughs> throughout high school. So I obviously have my music theatre side. So I was like, oh, do I do that? Do I go to a music theatre school? And then I always was quite passionate about psychology and criminology both together. I wanted to basically be like the person on Criminal Minds solving crimes through like why do they kill and all of that. And I used to have all of these like terrible (laughs) crime books that I would read all the time about all these gruesome murders and it just fascinated me. Um, So two very polar opposites that I went through in school. Um, And I ended up going down the path of criminology and psychology. So I studied the double degree at Deakin in those. And I studied that for four years. And um, everyone's probably going to cringe at this, but I've only got about three units left, but I haven't been back for the past year and a half because that's not the path that I want to take anymore. Um, Still learnt so much from it. I also did some drama units there while I was going through that. But in my second year of uni, I always had an interest in makeup, but um, I never looked at that as a job because the way I'd kind of been brought up and the way my mind was set was you go to school and then you go to uni and then you get a job. And so anything like hairdressing, beauty, all of that, I was like, no, that's, and as terrible as it is to say, 
it's a dumb job. That's what I thought. Um, and I was like, I'm, I'm smart. Like mum used to tell me she wanted me to be a doctor. I, I can't go and be a makeup artist. But I was like, I'm going to do this makeup course whilst I am studying and then I can work at, you know, a makeup store like Mecca and it'll be really fun and I can do that part-time because I'm going to be doing a lot of study for psychology. Um, so that was the plan. And I did this makeup course. I got hired at a makeup store at um, Eastland Shopping Centre and I started an Instagram posting photos of the makeups that I would do in the store um, and my following kind of just blew up. And so after working at that, what I thought was like a dream job doing that for about nine months, I left the job and started out on my own doing makeup um, from my parents' study, which was converted into my makeup studio. Um, and it just grew and grew to the point where about a year later, I started a makeup school. Um, since then, which is now another two years since I started that, I've had over 150 students and I now have opened my own salon in Heathmont and I have 10 girls working there and I run my makeup academy from there, which I have 35 on a wait list for next year. So it's just blown into this massive um, empire of beauty and business, which I love. And that's like my true calling now. Um, and I recently about, I think it's been three weeks now, I launched my own makeup brush line, which was a really big success. So I've got an e-commerce business as well. So completely on a different path to where I started. Wowzers, <laughs> congratulations. That's that's super. Um, I, I must confess that even as as a as a as an adult, as a professional, as a teacher, I have worked at some schools where not very far from where the school was, there was a makeup school, mm. and I, I must confess that maybe I did, but I think community or society had this idea that if you go into makeup, then you're not really very clever. There's there's mm. a wrong assumption. And I I acknowledge that, but clearly that is wrong because mm. you and by the sounds of it you had the same nervousness about would I up should until I... probably about two years ago. So for the first two years I was working in makeup, um, I still had that view. And I would if I was at a party or something and someone was like, "What do you do?" I'd be like, "Oh, I'm at uni studying criminology and psychology." Not right. that. I was earning really, really good money doing makeup. I wouldn't even mention it. And when I had girls come for school formals and their mums would sit in the room and they'd be talking to me, I would always mention that I was at uni because I felt like they were sitting there thinking, oh, this dumb girl doing my daughter's makeup. Yes, yes. So I always, like, that um, stigma is still really strong in my mind. But I think... There's no industry like that. It's what you make of it. So I could have become a makeup artist and gone and worked in retail and earned minimum wage and not had to think with my brain yeah. <laughs> at all. But and which is there's also nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Um, do what you love, but um, the business side of it is what I've actually found that I loved. And I didn't even study business as a subject at Yarra, and now that's like the most exciting thing to me. I just want to own a million different businesses. It doesn't matter what they're in. That's what I love. So, yeah. Wow. So many different things I want to talk about now. Um, <laughs> I, thank you for sharing that. And also I really appreciate, I, I don't feel so bad now to think that I might have had some assumptions around the makeup industry that yeah. you, even though you knew yourself and you were learning and experiencing and, in fact, working in the industry, that even you had those doubts perhaps and, and mm. almost a, an embarrassment to tell other people. And yet, like you say, it's just a perception and it's clearly a, a false perception that we have of people based on what they tell us that they do or what we what we what they appear to be doing or what they appear to be wearing or how they appear to dress or we just uh, make so many assumptions that that is is unhealthy for anybody yeah and I think it's important to spread it I get so many of my students are young 
15, 16 year old girls and they want to be makeup artists. That's what they want to do. They love it. They're so creative. They're so talented, like makeup, like singing and all that. It's a talent thing. I think a lot of, you can teach it to a certain extent, but like drawing and all of that, you're kind of born with it as well. I've got so many students like that, but their parents are all like, oh, you know, that's not a real job, all of that stuff, but it can be, it's what you make of it. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, totally, totally. Okay, so a couple of things. I, I want to go back because there will be some people who love the idea of, of being an entrepreneur and starting their own yeah. business and and nowadays more than ever before social media is probably going to be part of that. Tell me mm-hmm. a little bit about what you did on Instagram to blow up, as you say. What Were, were there yeah. any habits or hacks that you did that you could teach us? Just consistent posting all the time um, and being passionate about your brand and what you're trying to sell as well. Um, Makeup has always worked so well for me every time I launch a new, whether it be my makeup applications, my salon, the academy, the brushes, all of those things have done so well because I'm so passionate about it. In between all of that, I tried to launch a swimwear line, which I loved the process of designing it and doing all the behind the scenes and then once it was out there I just never posted about it or did much with it because I wasn't truly passionate about it and it flopped so bad there's like two thousand dollars worth of stock still sitting in my parents garage because of that but I learned so much from it and that is that you've really got to be passionate about what you're trying to sell Mm. um you can't just do it for the money Uh, which I think a lot of people these days, the entrepreneur thing is on the rise. I think it's definitely talked about more than what it was when I was younger. I didn't even see this as a job when I was younger. Mm. Um, But, yeah, social media is massive. Um, I saw on the questions you wrote one that's like, what's your favourite app or whatever, and I was trying to think of something like, oh, it's like a meditation app. But then I was like, you know what, Instagram, it's literally built my career Um, And it's so cool that these days, you know, back in the day, the only way to advertise was the yellow pages. And now you've got this social media and you can put your business on anybody's phone and literally build a business from your bedroom, which I think is pretty awesome. Wow. Now, I do and others might hear all of the things that you've got going at the moment and be a bit overwhelmed by all of that. How on (laughs) earth do you do all of those things? And, And people with a bit of an entrepreneurial spirit often have so many ideas and they just want to do this and do this and do this and do this. What would your advice be for those who have got three or four or five or 25 different ideas? What's the beginning? How do you start? It might not sound like it from how many things I have going on, but each thing that I've done, I've kind of grown to a pretty high level before I've moved to the next thing. So I think if I started 10 things at once, that would be really hard, but I give really focused attention to each thing and grow it. And then I'm like, okay, what's next? And I am someone, I guess anyone with the entrepreneurial spirit, that's always like, what's next? What's the next thing? Um, I'm never happy with where I am. I'm always like, oh, you know, I'm not earning enough. I'm not, you know, successful enough. Not enough people know who I am, all of that stuff. And I never really look back and see how far I've come. Um, but yeah, when I, with my makeup business because I'm doing clients and it's a service-based business there's only so much money you can make because there's so many hours in the day um so once I kind of gotten to that point where I was always fully booked I was like okay so what's the next thing and then I wanted to teach my craft which I love I love teaching um it's always something I've really liked I've always been a little bit bossy I guess (laughs) I think that was my teaching side coming out Um, So I love that. And then once I'd really grown that to the point where I was doing too many nights a week and I was like, I just want a night at home. I was like, okay, what's next? I need to put that into a proper space. So I did that. And then once that was all under control, I was like, all right, I need an e-commerce business so I can make money while I sleep. And that's where the brushes came from. So just take it in small steps. Yeah. So so do one thing, do it well, get it get it stable, get it solid, and then you can branch out and do the next thing. And mm. then you can go back to that initial thing that you had and it just needs a little bit of maintenance every now and then, just a little yeah. bit of massaging to keep it going while you yeah. put more attention into this new venture. Yeah, and the other things will feed into mm. each other. And uh, another big social media tip is 
show your face behind the business as well. People are loving that these days. They love seeing um, me behind the business and seeing that kind of side of it and relating to the person. Um, And I say to my students when I talk about that, if you were hiring a builder, a plumber, anything really, um, and you could see a picture of the builder and you'd heard him kind of have a chat on his Instagram before and there was another builder that he had no face to the name, which one would you pick? Mm. Um, so I think that's becoming a huge part of advertising and how businesses work. Mm. You did touch on for a moment there the notion of trading time for money and, mm. and there's only a certain number of hours in the day and then you had to get to you could scale it and so by the sounds of it you've now got other people working for you. Mm-hmm. And that's one way of scaling. I'm now curious to talk a little bit more about these makeup brushes. Now, I must confess, I don't know a lot about makeup <laughs> brushes. But yeah. do, what's the process? Do you have you used so many? You've tried so many different brands, and you go, "This is I, I like the handle of this, and the feel of that, and the the way that that one holds the the makeup." Mm-hmm. And, and none of them do everything I want it to do. So I'm going to come up with my own. Do you then go out to somebody to design it for you, or did you? You know, who manufactures it or is it just sticking your name, your brand onto an existing product? Tell me about that process. Well, there's definitely lots of different ways you can do it um, depending on what you're creating. For me, I've always been without getting into too much like makeup jargon. I've always been very particular about my brushes and I think tools are, your tools are a very important part. Um, And through teaching, I've learned so much more about it because I'm talking. You actually acknowledge when you're teaching the tools that you use and why they're important. Whereas if you were just doing it, you don't really think about that. Um, So through doing that, I've really worked out what I like and what I don't like. Um, And I wanted to be able to create something for my students, especially to buy that was affordable, super high quality, made out of the materials I like. And I don't Um, something that's pink (laughs) and gold and cute as well, not just boring. Um, So pink and gold's kind of like my theme for all my businesses. Um, So that was like a huge important part for me as well. And then to get them manufactured, I spent ages finding a manufacturer. So they would send me samples and then I would say no or yes. There were some that I got sent that were just atrocious. Um, And then eventually found someone that was creating exactly what I want um, and created the colours that I want um, and packaging and all of that. And then some packaging I outsource from other places and all that fun stuff. So, yeah, I love doing all of that. (laughs) Wow, that's wonderful that you've – and by the sounds of it, you you really have gone into one thing and that was initially building your own – uh, expertise and skill in applying makeup and then as you said you got booked out and then you've tried okay we need a venue we need a space and then we start to teach and then I just think wow so amazing to be able to focus your attention on so many different elements as we said not all at once but to be able to be flexible and to, to change. And, and that's actually what makes it so interesting and, and so exciting mm. is that there are so many different things that you've got on the go. Uh, Definitely. It, perhaps there's something in me that has an entrepreneurial spirit, even though <laughs> I, I'm working in a, in a wonderful environment. Actually, I, I think part of what I get to do is to, to be creative and explore ideas and and share stories, and and I guess this podcast is is an example of that. And by way of seeking to help our wider community, using mediums like this is is part of that um, that that spirit of reaching out and trying new things. And you know, because we tried a podcast and it didn't work, we had to try a different way or a different approach or a different you know a different tack. And and you keep trying. Yeah. Two questions at once, and you can choose which one you go with first. And the first, yeah. or one of the questions is, um, tell me a little bit more about sometimes when it didn't work, when, you know, in terms of failure, and you, you sort of touched on one, but it, it sounds like most things have gone really, really well. And I also want to ask, what happens in five years' time? If everything goes according to plan, if everything works out really well for you, where are you? What are you doing? What's, what's kind of the vision in the future? Yeah, cool. Um, So there's definitely been failures along the way. Um, Like I said, there was a swimwear thing that was just a complete 
Complete bust. Um, and as much as I've had some sellout, a lot of sellout classes, I've also had some that just never sold, which is bizarre. And it like hits you hard when you, when it's your own business. I've struggled a lot with separating it from me. And when I get any type of criticism, um, which I'm lucky, I don't get too much and people are really great. But when you do get it and the bigger you grow, the more you get of it. Any criticism, I put that on myself instead of separating it. So that's been a really big challenge for me. And then COVID is the biggest hurdle my business has hit so far. So it's shut down makeup since March. So that income's completely gone. My salon has had to shut for this entire time. And it's something that I never saw coming, but also was really good timing because the brushes were starting in the works. at the start of the year and then I was able to fast track that and really focus on that and build that without worrying about anything else and having heaps of time on my hands to do that um, which has been really good and I've just started my cert four in training and assessment to be able to turn my academy into an RTO registered training organization so um, that's been good to have that time for that as well so even though failures come I believe that everything happens for a reason so It was forced time to slow down, reflect on where I'm at and where I want to kind of go from here. Fantastic. Um, and where is can... that? Where are you going next? Yes. What's, what's, what goes really well over the next three, five years? What are you doing? Um, just continuing to build up different businesses. I love that. The starting phase is just so exciting um, and the creative part of that. Um. And eventually I feel like I've built a business for myself that's so flexible with time as well. Although there's a lot going on that does require a lot of my time, all of that is flexible. I work my own hours um, and do what I want. <laughs> so it's going to be great when I eventually do have kids in a few years to be able to have that time up my sleeve and be able to kind of work my schedule around that, which was something that was actually always really important to me. I think I thought about that a lot. throughout careers that I was choosing. At one time I did think about teaching because I was like, oh, it's great with kids because you're the same hours as them. Um, so, yeah, and then at the end of last year I bought my first house with my partner, um, but I'm already looking for the next one because <laughs> that's just how I am, never happy, as I said before. So hopefully living in my dream house by then too. Fantastic. I, I, I love hearing and listening to other people's dreams and because I think that that can lift us and that can propel us forward as well. Mm. Along the way, no doubt, you've had some advice. You've had some um, people reach out or some mentors along the way. What's some advice that you have taken on board that you might be able to repeat for us? What's some great advice that you've heard along the way? Um. I would definitely say a few quotes, I guess, that are advice as well that really resonate in my head um, is the fake it till you make it. I'm really big on that. I love that. Um, and also I'm big on the law of attraction and the book The Secret. I don't know if you've heard of it. Um, but for me, that's, that's almost like my religion and what I follow. Um, so there's a few quotes from there that really... Um, push me to keep striving towards success and keep moving. Um, there's a piece of advice which um, I was told, which it's a quote from that book, The Secret, but someone told me about it, which then led me to read the book. Um, and it's this concept of the poor man looks at the house on the hill and says, I can never afford that. And the rich man looks at the house on the hill and says, how can I afford that? Um, and I really like to live by that. Instead of saying, no, I can't do that, that's that's so out of my reach, I'll say, all right, how can I make that happen? How can I make that extra money? And throughout, um, you know, not just money, the whole rest of your life as well, but throughout COVID, I've been struggling bill to bill, which was something that I previously wasn't having to struggle with if my business was doing so well. But I've always been able to make that money appear by thinking how can I how can I create that um, which I yeah try to live by all the time and also within the law of attraction there's this phrase of um, 
a lot of people don't get what they want because they're always thinking about the things that they don't want rather than thinking about the things that they do want. So if you manifest the things that you do want instead of thinking about the negatives, those things will come to you. So really it comes down to mindset, doesn't it? It's about your perspective and what you intentionally are looking for. Mm. Is there a, a habit or a routine or a rhythm, it may be a daily practice, something that you would put down to being part of your journey that has helped you to be your best version of you? It's it's funny because I am very big on these things, but at the same time, I don't implement them as well as I would like to. So as much as I'm always on the go doing things, I'm also a huge procrastinator and do have a very lazy side of me, which kind of prevents me from having any kind of routine because I don't do something unless I have to do it which is why I have to keep myself busy because if there's not something I have to do I will sit in bed and watch Netflix all day long um, which there's nothing wrong with and I definitely set time aside to do that at least once a week Um, but I always like to keep myself busy but my day with the type of job that I have is always always different there's no day that's the same and I can't really sit down and plan my week because it just changes all the time. Um, but I love that. keeps me on my toes. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. That's exciting. Um, you did. Uh, you have spoken. Some of the things I, w- I perhaps normally would ask is around a book or a movie that you would recommend, and it sounds like The Secret would be mm. one that you would uh, highly recommend. Um, and an app, I you would just say social media, particularly yeah. Instagram, <laughs> I guess. I wonder if I can um, lead you toward... Um, something from your past and that is the school motto lavavi oculus and Mm. whether or not you recall what that means and then what does it mean yeah so it's we lift up our eyes um and also we lift up our eyes to the hills because of the views of the dandenongs that you can is it the dandenongs yeah that you can see from yarra um but for me that's always looking forward never looking back um, and just, yeah, continually moving forward and looking up to the future. There is a, a, a short story that I have told, I think only on one occasion, but the, the notion of sitting in a car and you have a, a very large windscreen in front of you to look forward and only a very small rear vision mirror to look behind you. And I guess it's a reminder that we need to look forward way more than what we do mm-hmm. look back. I think we can I can think we can learn from our past. I think we can sometimes it's helpful to reflect and go, "Oh, yeah, that led to that which led to that." And then you can join the dots and see how you got to where you are now, but certainly I think that there's great value in in looking forward through the windscreen heading toward the future. I'm going to take you now to uh, the quickfire round where I'm going to throw a whole bunch of <laughs> short and sharp little questions to you. And some of them will be just on the top of your head and, and others you might have to ponder maybe a one word or a one <laughs> sentence answer. You ready? Sure. Yeah. All right. Tell me when you were at Yarra, Eliza Swab from the class of 2014, what house were you in? Plumber. Plumber. Now, were plumber any good back in your day? I don't think so. Um, I wasn't overly sporty, though, so, I mean, as long as they kept me off the field, they were probably fine. So you did um, your bit by staying out of it? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I was the person hiding way up the back <laughs> on sports days, the one it, with a fake injured note from the parents. <laughs> it seems to me that you probably live fairly local, but what was school travel like? How did you get to and from school? Um, yeah, so I only lived about five minutes from Yarra by car. My mum tried to make me walk, but it didn't work. She bought me one of those rolly school bags, but mm, not my vibe. <laughs> so mum would drive me to school every day and pick me up after she finished work. She was a school teacher, so it worked uh-huh. out well. What do you remember of uh, school leadership and student leadership of, of your time? Who were the school captains? Can you remember? Kate Elol and Kim were the school captains. I can't even remember Kim's name. Isn't that crazy last name? I kind of, it's so funny. Um, Kim Elford. Yes, Kim Elford, yeah. Um, they were great school captains and Kate was always so, so lovely, um, which was great. Um, but I didn't, 
have any leadership roles myself. <laughs> but certainly a leader now in, in, I guess, a leader of people whom you have drawn into yourself and into the things that you're passionate about. And, and I think that that's one mark of success is that you get to do what you want to do and what you're passionate about. I love it. Tell us a little bit about your lunchbox when you're at school. What would we find? Um, I'd just go to the cafe. <laughs> I was also guilty of like going and um, pretending, <laughs> this is so bad, pretending that I didn't have money for the bus to get home and you'd be able to borrow money from the office and then your parents would pay the office. Yeah, it's so bad looking back. I had no value of like, I did have value, but compared to now, I had no value of money. I would just spend, spend, spend every day, but definitely cat food. I was never one for a sandwich. I'm still not. I like a nice hot meal. And do you remember a go-to? What was something, you, you talked before about how amazing the cafe was, and, and I think most mm. kids experience that coming from primary school where the, the canteen might be open, sometimes not every day and, and mm. very limited menu. And what was one thing that was a go-to from the CAF? Um, I loved the pastas. They were so good. Um, and I was like ravioli and like bolognese sauce. It's like my favourite food still. And the pizzas, always a big hit. Hash browns when they came out. All the bad stuff. Wedges on Mondays, I think. <laughs> If you had the choice and you can't say neither, would you prefer house swimming or house aths? House aths. Did you Especially participate? Especially if the swimming is outside. <laughs> um, I think I did. I think for some reason I would prefer house aths, but I never got put on anything. Um, and I hated house swimming, but for some reason they'd always get me in the pool. <laughs> <laughs> what was your first car? I had a Volkswagen Beetle. <laughs> yeah, it was like my dream car. I didn't even think about the um, practicality of the actual car. <laughs> it was just all I wanted. Um, so, yeah, I said goodbye to that about a year ago, which was sad. Eventually, things are going to open up in our state and you're going to be able to have some people over for dinner. If you were hosting a dinner party, I wonder who, who – sorry, what would you serve? What would be on your uh, – on the menu if you were in charge of the dinner party? Well, I've recently, the house that I've purchased is in Northcote and we moved there because of all the amazing restaurants and like takeaway food and all of that. So for me, that would be, we'd be getting takeaway and all of that. My parents can't wait to come over and have takeaway food with us. <laughs> um, but also pasta. I love making pasta. It's a go-to. That sounds good. Yes. And at a dinner party, who were two or three people who you'd love to, in, in anywhere in the world, they were coming to a dinner party with you, who would you love to sit down with? Like celebrities? Yeah, or? maybe, maybe. Um, I love Gary V. I don't mm -hmm. know if you've heard of him, but he's like an entrepreneurial motivational speaker, so I'd love to chat with him and get some personal advice. And... Much to, again, there's going to be stigma with this, but the Kardashians, to me, are such amazing business people. And I have this debate with my partner all the time because he completely disagrees and thinks they're dumb as anything. But you can't build an empire like that without being smart. So I would love to pick their brains as well. Very good. Very good. I, I agree with you. I think there might be some reaction to that. Yes. Um, <laughs> Everyone's like, oh, the dumb makeup artists and the Kardashians. Here we go. But as you say, you know, they, they, they've built something that's pretty uh, a force to be reckoned with, that's for sure. Yes, yeah. Is there a piece of work that you remember that, that perhaps you put a lot of time and effort into or maybe that you got a result that was, you know, well-deserved and you're really proud of it, something that you really put some effort into that you can recall? Um, probably my drama solos. That was always, yeah. And I remember again, looking up at the big kids as a, when I was younger, um, seeing the drama solos and being so confused by them. I don't know if you understand them yet, but they're very confusing when you watch them and don't understand it. And I was like, what is this? And then learning how to create that and finally creating my own. Um, I remember I was so proud of my year 11 one. My year 12 one was still good, but I mean, if I'd performed my year 11 one at 
year 12 exams, I would have gotten a 50. But yeah, I was really proud of my year 11 solo. If you were to take yourself back to your time at Yarra and you were a particular personality, you were a particular character, you moved in certain circles and you perhaps drifted a little bit, but people would have been making assessments and judgments and as as we do, though we try not to, I think we do. What do you think, let's say, teachers who knew you then, now we're, what, six years down the track, what do you think would surprise them most about where you are now and what you've become and who you are? I think just where I am (laughs) would be a surprise in the first place and what I do for work. Um, I, it would depend on the teacher as to what they would think, I think very much, but I, I had a little bit of a not rebellious streak, but I stood my ground and if I didn't agree with something, (laughs) I would probably make it it known so I think to see some teachers I guess would see me as more of a rebellious person so to see me doing this um they probably really say oh she's done well surprisingly (laughs) um yeah I definitely think that and then like drama teachers would probably be surprised that I didn't take that path because I was so passionate about that so determined that I was going to be famous one day (laughs) so yeah you still might be yeah, you never know. It's on the goals list. <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure. Um, I wonder as we draw our time to a close, and you've been really generous and, and I've appreciated this conversation very much and, and in fact would love to continue it after we um, turn off the record button, but is there a question that you were hoping that I would ask and could you share that question and then answer that question? Um. I don't know really I think that's like pretty much everything there was one other memory that I had like in my head to discuss that I haven't put forward yet tell us about it a funny like start of year seven one I remember coming to like my orientation and seeing all of the girls with side ponytails (laughs) just lots of girls with side ponytails so it was like oh everyone at Yarra wears side ponytails so on my first day of school which was also school photo day I wore like a side ponytail and it was full like right on the side big poofy thing but um yeah that's just a funny memory that I remember and you've probably got the year seven photo to prove it yeah yeah it's (laughs) fabulous (laughs) and and was it the last time you wore a side ponytail I think I wore it quite consistently throughout I was very inventive with my hairstyles throughout school I think the fact that you had to wear your hair up I couldn't just do a plain pony I was always doing crazy stuff and now I just wear it down, boring. (laughs) (laughs) Eliza Swab, I agree. I think that there will be some people who will be very pleasantly surprised with the adventure that you are on and I really appreciate you sharing your experience, your successes as well as some of the the hiccups and the, the punches in the gut that you may have experienced along the way. But it seems to me that that ability to keep getting up Keep looking for what's next. Keep moving forward and looking forward one piece at a time is, uh, is, is really quite inspiring. And this podcast is called The Inspired by Yarra Podcast. And it seems to me that perhaps you have been inspired by Yarra, but you certainly are an inspiration to Yarra. So for that, we give our gratitude and our thanks to you. Thanks for sharing your story. Thank you. And thank you indeed. That wraps up another episode of Inspired by Yarra. And I hope you found the conversation with Eliza Schwab interesting, inspiring, surprising along the way. What a remarkable young woman who has gone on to find what she loves, what she's passionate about, and now create a life around those things that she really enjoys. Not only the makeup side of things, but the interaction and the teaching and the business side of things is really what is getting her up and about every day. Appreciate again just the notion of being broad in what you're open to, the opportunities that might be presented, and perhaps that begins by exploring and being willing to have a go at almost anything. Appreciate Eliza and the time that she gave us for this interview. There are, as you know, many 
conversations similar to this in our growing library of Inspired by Yarra podcast episodes. And you can go back and catch any of the interviews that we've done in the growing library via the website yvg.vic.edu.au. If you look particularly in the community section, you'll find a whole lot of ways that we can stay in touch and links to this podcast. And look, we would love a rating, a review, however you might be listening to this. We haven't asked this very often, but if you want to share this with somebody, if you want to subscribe to make sure that you don't miss out on the next episode, if you want to give us a rating and a review, that helps other people to find us as well. And I hope you'll join us next episode where I'll sit down again with another Yarra Old Grammarian and see how they too have been inspired by Yarra. My name is Paul Joy and on behalf of everyone at Yarra and in particular those who work behind the scenes to put these stories together, I want to wish you another day of inspiration where you go out there with intentionality to make a positive impact in the world around you.